Every health system leader has executive management challenges facing their organization. This show supports leaders in addressing those challenges with cutting-edge information, leading strategies, and sharing best practices. Listen in and gain keen insight as industry leaders share their stories. The Baldridge Foundation welcomes you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hello and welcome to Leader Dialogue brought to you by the Malcolm Baldridge Foundation and our sponsor, About Healthcare. Uh, I am joined today by my friend, as always, and colleague, Ben Sawyer. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I, we're trying to get used to this deep freeze down here in Atlanta. Oh, my goodness. It's odd for us. Well, you're you're welcome. You know, you get that from us up in <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Yeah, thanks for sending the snow down, guys. We appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, Ben, today uh, our listeners are in for a real treat. Uh, they'll be listening in on our conversation with two amazing leaders we're going to share some really practical advice and a great story of problem solving. Uh, this was a, a persistent problem that was uh, really addressed by a book that I ended up reading. And again, I'm not exactly sure where I heard first heard about this book. It's uh, but it was, it was just timely. And I, I think it was just very providential that I picked this book up exactly when I did. And, uh, and we'll get into that story in a little bit. But today, our guests are Brian Moran, who's the author and founder of The 12-Week Year, the book and the organization, same title. And I love subtitles. It's uh, Get More Done in 12 Weeks Than Others Do in 12 Months. And, you know, anybody who worked with me or knew me back when I was deep into this business, I was always looking for hacks. You know, it sounded like a Tim Ferriss book, the four week work, four hour work week or something like that. But I just I loved the concept. I got it immediately within the first few pages. And uh, and, and it was really, really cool. So so Brian uh, is with us, as well as Dan Isaacson who is the chief financial officer currently the VP of finance for all of Trinity health, which is one of the largest health systems in the country. And, and I had the privilege of working with Dan when I was the CEO at Loyola healthcare in Chicago. And we, um, he was just a, just a wonderful colleague, trusted colleague and friend. And we had some really difficult problems and, uh, and in addition to going to some Cubs games together, we did some amazing work. Dan's a opportunities, Roger. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, so Brian and Dan, welcome to Leader Dialogue. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Great, great to be here. Great, great. Well, th there's just so much here. I don't know if we can pack it all in in the short time we have available, but I want to start out, Brian, with you. And uh, you know, the 12 week year. This is not a brand new book. It was published in 2013, and I'm sure this idea was with you for. Uh, quite a while before that, but um, it, it's, I just love the concept of compressing the time frame and getting more done. And, uh, you know, and I don't want to throw you a curve and have you talk about private stuff if you don't want to, but you mentioned in the book that you and your wife, Judy, are both cancer survivors. And, and I, I wonder if, if that gave you different perspective, not only on business, but life as well, so that um, you know, getting more done in a shorter period of time seems rather appealing. So talk a little bit about that, would you, Brian? Yeah, happy to. I mean, that, that experience definitely changed our mindset around how we look at time and, and uh, 
I would tell you that the two of us walk in gratitude way more than we did before. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that was one of the significant changes, but just appreciating what you have and trying to make the most of it. You know, the 12 week year came about because we were working with clients and really trying to figure out, um, you know, how we were going to best help them. And, and they all had great ideas. <laughs> you know, they all had great resources. And so when I say we, Michael Lennington, the co-author and I, we realized early on that, you know, the, the number one thing holding organizations back, holding individuals back for that matter, um, was not what was not a, a, a knowing issue. It was a knowing doing gap, right? Yeah. People, people just weren't executing. Right. Um, and, I, and I would argue if you did more of what you know consistently, you'd be healthier, you'd be happier, you'd make a lot more money without learning anything new. And, and so everything we do is with that bet. How do we help our clients uh, execute more effectively, get more of the critical stuff done in less time? And it drives profound results. And, and so in doing that, Roger, one of the things we bumped into is working in the annual environment, which is what everybody did. So we did the same, right? We, we set these annual goals and built these annual plans and broke them down quarterly and monthly and weekly. But, but we found like there was a, although we were getting good results, we didn't feel like we were getting what people were capable of. And we realized it was that annual cycle. Yeah. And, uh, and just too much time to put things off. You know, we're, we're doing a call here in January. Right now, December looks a long way off. And I can guarantee everybody started this year all fired up. 22 is going to be my best year ever. And when we get to the end of this month, most of them are going to be behind goal, behind plan. Um, but not one of them is going to be worried. Because <laughs> the mindset is, oh, I got plenty of time to catch up. And that, that is the bugaboo. That's the, that's the thing that we saw we had to somehow shift that mindset, shift that thinking in order to change behavior, in order to change results. And so the 12 week year was born out of an athletic training process called periodization, where, where they use short cycles to focus on particular disciplines and build capacity. And, um, and so we took that, we saw that and we said, you know what, let's apply that to what we're doing in our business and in our personal life. And that was the accelerant, honestly, for what we were doing. Man, oh man. Well, it, it sure works. And again, like you said, you, you call it in your book, the trap of annualized thinking. And, and it's just in a kind of a minor way. It's just the whole notion of when, you're, when you've got a vacation planned, the most productive days are always those couple of days before you go on vacation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just crank stuff and it's all the important stuff, right? All the you're really good at prioritizing what matters and what doesn't right before vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and another thing that you talk about in the book, Brian, is, you know, every day counts. And, and like you said, you know, in January, December's a long ways off. And so we kind of have this casual attitude about this, but when you refocus your efforts in the organization to what am I going to do today? Every day has to count toward accomplishing the goal. And, and we get toward the end, you know, you talk about scoring, which I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but we'll certainly talk about it in the example when Dan and I have a chance to, to share about this, how you score yourselves. But, yeah. you know, that you said every day counts in it. And this gives you clarity and urgency together, which I love. Yeah, now some people hear that and they think, boy, that sounds stressful. Uh, it's actually the opposite because when you're, when you're focused on what matters most each day and, and you're doing what needs to be done, it actually lowers the stress and the results come online so much quicker. And so 
oftentimes, you know, stress is created when we're not doing things we feel like we should be doing. And, and so when we're clear on what those are, and we're just being consistent with them, not perfect, yeah. <laughs> not to be perfect, but just consistent with them day in and day out, you know, all of a sudden that starts to uh, respond like compound interest, right? A few days of that, no big deal, a few weeks, but day after day after day, week after week after week. And as you found in 12 short weeks, you can be in a very different position. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, tell us a little bit about your, the kind of clients you're working with, just so our audience gets an, a sense of, you know, who's really the target audience? Who's the ideal candidate to read this book and apply its principles? Yeah, uh, we've been fortunate to work in every industry because execution isn't a problem in one industry. <laughs> it, yeah. You know, we've got soccer moms that, yeah, but, um, you know, I just did a, a workshop last month for um, a hospital group in Saudi Arabia. Um, so we, we've worked in just about every industry. Um, you know, we have kind of two avatars. One is just the individual who wants to perform better, whether it's in their business, in their career, or in their personal life. And the other is leaders, you know, that are that are trying to get their organizations to really achieve what they're capable of. And, and the 12-week year works phenomenally well in either of those walks of life, in a sense. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Well, um, let's do this. Let's talk to Dan. <laughs> Dan, I'm just eager to have you talk about the problem that we encountered. Now, I was, I was uh, Loyola Healthcare is part of Trinity Health, and, and I had been asked to, to do a stint uh, as sort of at the tail end of my career with Trinity before I retired and serve as the interim CEO of the health system. And, uh, and Dan was, uh, you weren't the CFO when I started, but no, you, no it was you know. vice president of finance. Yep. Yeah. VP of finance. And we kind of made a change there at, at one point, um, because what we were doing just wasn't working and, and, uh, I'll let, I'll let you, you know, and, and this was also, we want to give a, a nod to Ben Carter, who's now the chief operating officer of, of Trinity health and, Ben and I were colleagues and, and he, when he asked me to go and spend some time there, Sally Jeffcoat and, and Ben said, you know, we, our CEO left, he went to another health system and will you go? And you know what, there's a problem there that no one's been able to figure out, but you know, as long as you're there, why don't you give it a shot? And so Ben and I kind of talked a little bit about this and we immediately brought Dan in as a co-conspirator and, uh, <laughs> and, and I had read this book, I gave it to Dan. Well, Dan, why don't you talk about what our challenge was at Loyola? Sure. So, yeah, well, right before you had arrived, uh, Roger, Ben did give us a call and said, you know, look, we've got a problem here. Uh, you know, we were, we had a significant issue with our revenue cycle function. Um, everything from the front end to the back end billing, customer service, um, you know, authorizations, you know, you name it. And uh, there was a series of surprise write-offs towards year end for several years in a row that was, um, you know, just a real problem, right? Because a lot of our other metrics were all going in the right direction. So, you know, our volumes were growing, our strategies were working, our clinical programs were enhancing, but we continued to have financial problems. So, you know, we said we really have to and, do and I'm something. And sure, I'm sure, Dan, that, that Trinity... And Loyola were the only people who've ever experienced this, right? No, it's, I mean, this, we got people yeah, listening. Us and everyone going, else, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Us yeah. and everyone else. So, yeah. 
you know, we knew there was a problem. Um, you know, at the time, Revenue Cycle didn't report to me. So, you know, I was I was a part of some groups and I was, we were trying to influence. But, you know, I was asked to help, uh, you know, lead uh, the Revenue Cycle and, and take a different approach. And, um, you know, right as you were arriving, you know, we, we had decided to kind of um, set up a modified FEMA command center for Revenue Cycle, kind of declare an emergency. Um, and what we were really looking for was, you know, we had the structure, we kind of, you know, what does a FEMA command center for healthcare revenue cycle look like? And we were kind of trying to figure out what the structure is, what the cadence, and, you know, Roger comes and, and he, you know, he hands me not too long after he's like, you know, take a look at this book. And, you know, I took it just like you did. And I said, you know, oh no, another, another business book, but a couple chapters in it was, I'm like, okay, this is it. And, and I remember going and talking to you and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to incorporate this together because I think this is, this is what we're looking for. And, um, you know, for years they had consultants and complicated data and PowerPoints and all of these things and nothing was, nothing was fixing this. So, you know, we really, um, we set this team up and it, and we meant for it to conceptually be exactly as I was reading the 12 week year, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're trying to do. And so we used its principles, um, you know, in, in our work there. So, so Brian, you not really heard the full story. I've kind of teased you with when I tried to, you know, contact you and talk you into being part of this, this uh, podcast, but, you know, I, I teased you with this. Does this sound at all familiar? Is have others had the same problem? Yeah, they, they have. Yeah. Uh, but every every organization is a little unique in terms of the specific dynamics. Right. Right. But it's really so often it comes to the point where just an executive group or somebody on the team says, hey, enough is enough. We've got to do something different. And um, and the 12 years certainly facilitates something different. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Well, when we first rolled it out, I remember, um, you know, I, I pulled out the old kickoff materials, Roger. Um, and, you know, we went through it and, um, you know, we provided every team member a copy of the book and said, hey, you know, read this and, and be ready. And, and, and most of them did, you know, a couple of them thought, uh, you know, it's just another a gimmick. But the majority of the team really took it seriously. And we started to, to think differently. And I have to tell you that first period, you know, it was rough. And, it, you know, in your book, you clearly you know, this was a monumental change in thinking. I didn't even realize how, you know, because I kind of think expeditiously, um, you know, just in my style. But when we started to roll this out and started to talk about, um, you know, daily metrics and, you know, assignments that were due the following day or the next day, and someone said, well, I can't get this done tomorrow. Well, how about Wednesday? Uh, how about Thursday? You know, and we started on this cadence of shortening everything down. And, you know, the key to it was, you know, what Roger really brought to it is we celebrated. As soon as anything happened that was in the direction of good, we celebrated it, right? No matter whether it was a week, whether it was a day, whether it was two weeks after the first month. And, you know, it started to, to catch on and people started to get, you know, uh, just in the cadence of, the whole, you know, thinking and planning and, and seeing those results. And it just got, what's amazing to me, looking back, it just kept getting faster and faster. It started off slow, but it just kept getting faster and faster and faster and kind well, of kinda, redesigned kinda how down, we do Dan. 
we kind of wore him down because we said, and, and when you say who's the team, you know, we we made a decision, didn't we? Who were the people around the table? So so one of the problems, right, was that finance was trying to fix a finance problem for years and years and years. And what what the real answer was is that we had to get people from operations and from all over, from not only from revenue cycle, but we needed physicians and we needed front end and people who were actually pushing the buttons on the front end needed to be there. And so we had we had marketing, we had HR, we had a representative from every functional area. Um, and you know, one of the concepts is sharing your vision and your results with others. Uh, and we did that really well. The reason we had the marketing uh, leader there was she would take these and we would say on a weekly basis or on every two weeks, we were going to report out to the entire organization. We were going to be that transparent. And once everybody realized, oh, wait a second, these results are going, you know, they're going out there to everyone. And oh, by the way, I'm going to share them with our executive team. I'm going to share them with the board. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started talking, Roger, and you remember those first days, it's like, okay, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> we met every day. Every single day. Every single day. And it wasn't a long meeting. What time did we meet? I can't remember. Uh, we, was- we met from 1130 to 12. We reserved 12 to 1230 in an emergency. But it, it was a uh, it, it was a FEMA-like conversation. Yeah. There, you knew when you were going to go. You knew what your report out was going to be. We assigned it in advance. Uh, the folks took uh, ownership. Um, and that accountability was given. And, you know, and I have to tell you, in those first few weeks, you remember yep. people came and they weren't ready. And what ended up happening is in the beginning, Roger and I were holding them accountable. By the time we were done, the team was holding each other accountable. And I would even say towards the end, individually, each person was holding themselves accountable. Yep. And it just completely changed the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a great um, I think it was beautiful, Brian, because it was just like you talked about. It's, you know, daily goals. Well, you know, that very few people have the discipline to do this. But when you, as Dan says, when you make the group accountable for the activities and the, you know, things that go well and things that don't go well, because there's no place to hide. All the decision makers are in the room. And it's yeah, that's, not like that's one of the keys. If, if yeah. you're playing the 12 week year properly, there is nowhere to hide. And so, yeah. The people that just refuse to execute won't last. I mean, they're called out and and they're called out, and sometimes they're asked to, to move on to someplace else, which is not a bad thing, right? But but the fact that you did these, you, you said a number of keys there, right? You celebrated the small wins, the successes along the way. Sometimes that's just a shift in how we're thinking. Um, a lots of times that's you know, you're gonna see that shift in the actions before we ever see it in the outcomes, right? We don't control the outcomes. So what you're focused on daily and weekly is are the actions what do we control what are, what actions are we taking what's the impact they're having and as you said it, it started to get faster and faster that's the momentum building and you never get that in an annual cycle never because it's just too long a time frame to build that kind of momentum and 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 and, and really because it's palpable i mean to feel it and see it and have people kind of brought along in the wake of that is really powerful i love the fact that you you know you, you shared the results good or bad with everybody yep, we were out there <laughs> yeah yeah you know you know brian in chapter six confronting the truth i think this is what dan was getting at you know <laughs> it, was confronting, ugly. it was ugly yeah and 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 in that chapter you talk about you know and and that's i think part of the problem wasn't it dan we were hiding the truth yeah. or we were not 
taking account, taking responsibility for the results. And, and it was always like, well, it's the, some, some other department, you know, it's, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Ben. I just want to ask a question on behalf of the audience. Yeah. So without airing dirty laundry, <clears throat> what exactly was the problem and how did this focus go right to the root cause of whatever that particular, I mean, I know it was RevCycle, but because everybody on the on the podcast under, you know is in this space, Dan, and understands and probably has experienced similar things, where can they derive hope from this? Like, what were the kinds of problems, practically speaking, that you were addressing and just knocking away at root causal factors? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. Um, everything was broken. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. Not, not being pejorative. <laughs> so... Um, you know, so the general answer is, you know, it was people processes, um, you know, and systems and, uh, you know, little things like denials and, uh, you know, just getting paid for the work we're doing, not involving the clinicians or, you know, operational, operational minded folks in the processes, you know, just trying to the back office. Well, this is what I think, you know, just connecting the dots. But from a system perspective, you know, we we had a system that was uh, had the ability to do a lot of functions, you know, prioritization, work queues, um, you know, so someone could come in and work the most important. Those weren't even turned on and they hadn't and the ones that were hadn't been reviewed. You know, we had a we had a defining moment in the first couple of weeks uh, and Roger will remember it that I think we, we looked at each other and just realized how bad it was when, you know, we realized that some of these functions, these people who were supposedly working together all the time, the tool they had in the system to even do it wasn't on. Oh, um, wow. And, and I'll give you a specific example. You know, there was, um, you know, we were having some patients get, you know, pay a bill and then get a, you know, get a bill saying, oh, you didn't pay it. And it turned out that the module for the front end desk clerk to say, you know, here's a payment and post it to the right place. They were, they only had one place to post it and it wasn't, it didn't connect back to where the actual claim was. So you could pay your bill and they would post it. And then you'd get another bill saying you didn't pay it. And you'd actually get a refund of that payment because, oh, we didn't, so, you know, it was, it was a mess. And so I'll have to tell you, you know, and I don't want this to go without saying, there's a part of the book about emotional connection. We did this for the patients. Mm -hmm. This, this was, I mean, the mandate for change wasn't about money. It ended up turning the organization around from a money perspective, but this was about our patients, um, even our colleagues. Uh, when we started the first day, when we started uh, the command center, and started this, I brought a picture of uh, my sister who had passed away uh, within about six months of each other uh, back in 2000. And they were kind of my inspiration for a lot of things. I shared my story and I put their picture up on a board and I said, I want each of you to bring a picture of a loved one, tell us, tell us the story and, and put them up on the board. And, you know, wow. it was just kind of an idea I had and I thought everyone's going to think this is you know, ridiculous and, you know, you know, it would be in the way, but what actually happened was um, people not only had the emotional connection to the work we were doing, they had an emotional connection to each other and actually what we were doing. And so we would get to points where 
we would, I would pause as the leader of the group. I would pause and say, okay, we're stopping the conversation. I'm stopping the conversation. We would turn to the wall. And most of these people, um, you know, had pictures of loved ones who had passed or were or actually currently dealing with something and say, would we send them an incorrect bill? Do we want to increase their stress? Would we do this to them? How do we, how should wow. we handle this? And it would only take about three or four minutes. And Roger was there. I mean, it was very powerful. Um, you know, I get emotional thinking about it almost, but it would literally, everybody was on point. This is what we should do. This is what we have to do. We have to figure this out. We have to wow. do this for grandma, for my mom, for my sister. We have to do this. And it Roger, was, I don't know if was, you remember oh, that. Absolutely. It was brilliant, Dan. It was just a great, great centering, focusing event. And, you know, I still think about your sisters and, you know, about that, how you were vulnerable you brought that into the conversation. You know, I, my wife has had breast cancer four times. I brought her picture. So her picture is on there. the board. I remember. And, 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 you know, and again, as the Dan and I, we were there every single day. We yep. didn't delegate this to anybody. Wow. We were there every single day. So, people so that, seriously. that is so powerful, Dan. And by yeah. the way, thanks for the vulnerability on that. Uh, that's sure. very, very moving. It was great. Brian, is that, something that happens in this 12 week year with other groups you're working like is is that a moment is that a you know a motivational um, sort of threshold that's hit in these kinds of of activities yeah so with the 12 week year it's it all starts with the the emotional connection um, and and it has to be personal if if it's not then we're just going through the motions and and yeah. so you know, we do a lot of vision work um, with organizations. We don't start with the department. We don't start with the organization. We start with people's personal lives because their career is just part of that. And how do we connect the career? And ultimately what we're asking them to do Monday through Friday with the life they want to live. And, mm -hmm. and so Dan brought it all together in a, in a powerful way for people, right? They're, they're trying to solve a problem. Here's, here's why it matters to us in the room, <laughs> not yeah. just, you know, not just our patients, but let's put names and faces of those family members that have been patients. And, and so there's always an emotional connection. Otherwise, what happens is, is we continue to do what we've done and the, and the marketplace moves on and we're left behind and then we're struggling to, to embrace change. And you know, the, the, the big bugaboo with change is just the discomfort of doing something different. And, and yeah. that's really the enemy of great. We, we find what works and we stick with it way too long and the world moves on. And then, you know, I can give you names of companies that are out of business today that were paragons in their industry because of that very thing. And so, um, you know, change is never easy, but when you have an emotional connection to the future and the future's more compelling than the present, that's how we move into it. And Dan did a, just did a fantastic job okay. setting that up for the team and not just one time, but keeping people connected to it. That's the key. Yeah. Like you know, you this has that vision, but, but if it's, gets sit in a drawer somewhere or it gets, you know, it gets themed on a wall, on a poster, it means nothing. It's, it's right, making right. that emotional connection on a daily, weekly basis with people that causes them to, to behave differently, to, to enter into the, the, the change and the uncertainty and, and the discomfort of taking new action. Well, as usually happens, I can't believe it. We are just about out of time. We've got a couple, three minutes left and, and, Dan, can you in two minutes, 
Can you just summarize what were the results and uh, you know what happened? I mean, we'll save the part of the story where you now are the, this is a Cinderella story. <laughs> You're now the CFO of the whole company, but, but you know, tell us what happened real quickly. So we were, we were on a journey, um, you know, Loyola Medicine was losing. I think we lost about 30 million. Uh, you know, when we started, we had about a hundred million dollar turnaround. And I would say uh, almost half of that was from the revenue cycle. And, and more importantly, what happened was that everyone, you know, started to rethink how they did everything else. And we brought that into, you know, today, and it's not as defined as it was in that, in that command center, but, you know, some of the, the actions that we've had to take getting people, getting everybody in a room um, and working on emergence from COVID or working on, you know, how are we going to handle electives? How are we going to keep people safe? You know, getting, getting all these people in a room and, you know, what was once crazy to get like marketing and H, you know, everybody is representative and now it's just common. Um, and we have these, these ROA groups throughout Trinity uh, for all the ministries, which is helping to improve their revenue uh, cycle optimization. So, you know, we, it was just an amazing uh, turn and, um, you know, our billing got more accurate. We were getting, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of complaints a week uh, on billing. And, you know, when we were really humming there, it, it got down to just one or two, and then some weeks had none. So it was a huge difference on behalf of our patients and just the stress that it relieved. And the, and the stress that I had was all these physicians in the medical group. I had to meet with the chairs once a month and, and they were working as hard as they could high volume we just could not get an accurate bill out for their services. And so it was, it, it was a, it wasn't a nice, it, we had to fix this and, and Dan, you and your team did it. And uh, congratulations to you. And thanks for again, great vulnerable leadership. And, uh, and it's really paid off. So Roger, can I ask you this question to close? I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't recognize the power of this during the pandemic and all the disruption and all the change and how difficult it is for leadership teams to, to overcome these mounting workforce challenges and so forth. What is your key takeaway, Roger, that you would recommend to executives like yourself that are listening in? Get the book, the yeah. get the book and get, get the point where everyone sees the scoreboard that tells you you know, it not only tells you how you're doing relative to the goal, but it also has the time clock, right, Brian? That's chapter six. Read the book, start tracking behaviors because behaviors will turn into results just like Dan got. So we're unfortunately out of time. I'd love to pick this up later, maybe do some more about this, guys. Thank you so much. Congratulations to both of you. And uh, I know our listeners are really hungry for this kind of practical advice. So any of you that have thorny problems, this is a great way you ought to consider this and get a hold of Brian, uh, the 12 week year.com. You can get a hold of Brian and his organization. And, uh, and Dan, again, congratulations to you on your new, fairly new role. Uh, you still have a lot to do, but you are really crushing it, my friend. So thanks, uh, thanks to our listeners. Tune in again next time to another fascinating leader dialogue. Thanks, everyone.